had the opportunity to talk to Lisa Crawley over Zoom video. Lisa's lived in a bunch of different places. She was born in New Zealand, lived there for a while, lived in Melbourne in Australia for a bit, moved back to New Zealand. After finishing high school, she went and lived in Japan. Then she moved back to New Zealand and then to London, back to New Zealand, then to Los Angeles. She lived in Canada for a bit, so she's been all over the place. But she talks to us about how she got into music and songwriting. The first instrument she learned how to play, which was the recorder, eventually picking up piano, the rock band she was in growing up, having a residency at this hotel in Japan and what that was like, cutting her teeth in the songwriting, singer-songwriting space when she moved to London, how she recently moved to Los Angeles, and all about her brand new EP. You can watch our interview with Lisa on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. We'd love it if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Lisa Crawley. Thank you again so much for doing this. And I did I did read that you you've bounced around quite a bit growing up, right? I mean, or you've been in you lived in from New Zealand and Melbourne and Canada and now in the States. Talk to me about where were you born and raised? Oh yeah. So I was born in uh West Auckland. So you probably might have heard of Auckland. People in America think I'm saying Oakland. So I have to say Auckland. <laughs> uh so that's where yeah, that's where I grew up and I didn't really have a, an intention of um, moving around as much as I have, I suppose. I had a, a pretty traumatic experience of spending eight months in Australia when I was eight years old. And I was bullied for my accent because I couldn't say pencil properly or I couldn't say things the way they said them. So I thought, oh, I'm not I'm never going to be living in Australia. I'm never going back there. Right. Um, Is it that <laughs> big of a difference? I guess I, that's probably a horrible question to ask. But um, I mean, I don't really hear too much of a difference when I'm when I speak to people from either New Zealand or or Australia. Yeah, kids can be so cruel, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So you live anyway. In- Australia at eight, obviously. So born in, yeah. in New Zealand. Born in New Zealand. And then um, moved yeah, just, to Australia. Just, just, for, just for eight months for my dad's work for a while. And then I, I came back, um, yeah, traumatized by Australia. Sorry, Australia. Um, and, and then <laughs> I, <laughs> I made my peace with it for a few visits when I started putting out my own music. But my first real overseas experience was, um, well, we did, our, our high school band came to, uh, Los Angeles and played at Disneyland, which was really fun. Wow. We played at the Monterey Jazz Festival. I was on the second keyboards. I wasn't doing the fancy solos. I was just doing the the disco string samples and things like that. But anyway, I was like, oh, I, I loved Los Angeles. And that was always kind of in the back of my, my head. But um, I went to uh, my first kind of period of living for a few months. I think it was four months was um, a place called Atami in Japan. Uh, Whoa, which I, I, didn't, I didn't realize you went to Japan too. <laughs> you have been all over the place. Okay. So how old were you uh, when yeah, you moved Japan to Japan? Was, I was 19. Okay. So I, long story short, but I, I wanted to do, um, I grew up wanting to do musical theater. That kind of door shut slightly just with the school I got into overseas was just ludicrously, uh, it was, was just so expensive. Um, so I ended up going to jazz school in New Zealand for a year instead, um, which was fun and got into, you know, did some songwriting papers. But um, when I got offered a, uh, to play piano in a hotel in Japan, I thought, well, why not? Like I, my, my passion wasn't, I mean, I loved, I adore, like, you know, I appreciate what jazz takes to be good at it. And I was more interested in songwriting overall, I suppose. Um, so I took the opportunity to go 
to Japan and two weeks later I was I was there and in this town that had no internet or no English speakers um, frantically trying to learn some Japanese pop songs and key phrases to introduce myself over there and and I yeah I, I had no idea what to expect and I was on this big cliff overlooking the ocean and a town that was famous for its onsen so it was very very isolated and um at the time it was it was pretty challenging actually because it was just such a culture shock sure uh, but, and then seven nights a week did the same show twice a night and then i would go and play in the in the bar afterwards as well so it was it was kind of like groundhog day and lost in translation but like no bill murray unfortunately <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> murray, but, uh, yeah but it was bizarre like the same song would be on uh, on repeat in the breakfast buffet every morning so it was just like it was strange oh but they didn't even they didn't even change up the mixtape no I mean, yeah. So I think like people, some people just tune out with that background music stuff. But for me, it was like this song called Parker Bell's Canon. And then I had to do it for a piano exam or do, do, do on repeat. So, so <laughs> it was the soundtrack to, to that four months of, of my life, I suppose. But after that, I, I guess I had the real drive to want to start playing my own songs more. And so went to London from there for six months and started doing open mics and got some gigs. Um, stayed there to the day that I was allowed to for my visa. And then went back to New Zealand and got a more permanent visa for London for a couple of years. And yeah, from, from there, I, um, I wasn't allowed to stay longer than that. So I'm a huge fan of like British culture and, and mm-hmm. British comedy things that came back to New Zealand. And then Melbourne was, uh, Melbourne was like a, a nice, easy-ish move, I suppose, because it was only a few hours away. But for the style of music, um, indie, um, indie pop, I seemed like um, my stuff that I was releasing seemed to be received pretty well over there and, mm-hmm. and wanted to give, better go and um moved myself and my cat there <laughs> and, you, you, yeah, you really, forgave you forgave australia i made my peace, made my peace <laughs> <with> australia <laughs> i even uh yeah i did some a couple of like voiceover jobs where you have to do both accents so it did come in handy eventually so uh there is there are slight differences the, tw- the twang and, and i suppose um but okay. to the people that haven't lived there i totally get that it's it it's similar sounding to me. I mean, similar, yeah, yeah. And I don't, I can't take offense because I've lived in both places. Um, okay. So, yeah, absolutely love traveling, but I wanted to move to Los Angeles for quite a long time. So um, that door kind of opened, and, and Canada was uh, just a couple of short um, residencies at a place called the Bamp Center, which is such a beautiful spot to go and work on your music, um, um, surrounded by snow and. Wow. Wonderful other creative people. Yeah. So love traveling, but never really expected to to be hopping around so much. But I I am committed to staying in LA for the for a foreseeable while. future. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I pushed through the last year and a half. I moved there two months before the pandemic. So I just Oh thought, my. Okay. I'm not, I ain't going anywhere right now. Yeah. yeah so that yeah. is that's incredible. Well, I want to elaborate a little bit on some of some of the things you talked to me about, but I'm curious to know what uh, was you said you played keys in what the high school jazz band. Yeah, we had a, a jazz and funk slash soul band, and I really wanted to go to LA, and and I I had mainly done classical music up to that stage, and was in like a high school rock band, and okay, I started writing my own music and and played clarinet in the orchestra as a like, total music nerd. Um, and I was like, oh, I want to be in that band and go to America. So I convinced them that they needed a second keyboards. They had a, a wonderful jazz pianist, Lucy, who also lives here um, now. She, she was amazing at that stuff. And I had done a few jazz piano lessons, but yeah, I, I 
I just convinced them that they needed, you know, the clavinet, the second keyboard doing the clavinet and all those kind of extra sounds of strings and, and a lot of music was very string heavy. So yeah, it was a great trip. Um, we, a couple of the parents came along. We, yeah, we went to Monterey Jazz Festival and wow. uh, played at Disneyland and uh, yeah, it was heaps of fun. Um, that is really cool. Um, um, so is piano the first instrument you learned to play? Well, you talked about playing clarinet and so what was the first thing you picked up? Recorder? I was just looking for it. Recorder, <laughs> recorder yeah. <laughs> I literally have two, two recorders here. One oh, giant really? one and one one smaller one. But I grew up playing recorder like since I was four years old. So was it really a recorder? Friend. I was just throwing that out there because yeah, that's usually no, the I think they, they give my, like kids here like a plastic recorder in like fourth or fifth grade. Oh dude, I know most people get paid not to play it, but I sometimes um it's something that I picked up and never really stopped playing. And occasionally in some of the bands that I worked in, um, like there was like, have you heard of the Pogues? Like this yeah this oh yeah irish like the yeah, epitome yeah, yeah, of yeah. irish music sure uh -huh. like there was a pokes tribute show for saint patrick's day and so i learned all the whistle parts and actually like someone was paying me to play the recorder what the heck um, Whoa. so yeah <laughs> and it's come up in a few of my recorded recordings so people are very quick to make fun of it and i i can understand why but actually on my tick i'm terrible at tiktok but my one the video that's had most is like me playing recorder in the car. So really, there you go. I'm new yeah. to the TikTok too. I mean, at least for our podcast, I don't personally have one. I feel a little old. I don't know. It's just, yeah, maybe I'm not, you. but it's just kind of a weird medium for me, but um, we made one for the podcast. So very new. I Ours doesn't have very, yeah, we don't have much traction, but a few videos have done decent, but that's cool that you have a recorder. Yeah. video. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, how I handle moving to America in my 30s as a single but it was some stupid video and then I was in the car and I got kind of trolled for driving and playing recorder but I was I was actually being very safe it was just a big car park and there was just this song came I was just playing to whatever was on the radio anyway um from <laughs> recorder and different recorders I was even in a recorder orchestra so really you, you took mm -hmm. recorder very seriously take it wasn't just hot cross buns I mean, oh, no. this, I mean no, you're like, in like a full hot, recorder ensemble. Hot gross buns on, on acid. Yeah. yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there was this, there's a New Zealand artist. I don't know if you've heard of Crowded House or Split Ends, but um, uh, one of the main founders of Split, Tim Finn, one of New Zealand's like most wonderful songwriters. I've played in his band for a little while and there was this one song that had this whistle solo and it was like this kind of, we're on before this really hardcore rock band and there was this big recorder solo. like And, and yeah, so it's, it's honestly come in handy. I don't want the whole podcast to be about the recorder, but. No, but that's um, cool. From, it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Maybe I'll do like a, a recorder. My friend Aaron gave me a, a tenor one, which is one of the bigger ones. And um, yeah, I just, I've, I don't have my whole collection here, but I did bring my clarinet over from from New Zealand as well. So I play clarinet, which so saves you, me money on horn sections. Sure. So did you go from clarinet, uh, horn, uh, sorry, you went from recorder to clarinet? Is that kind of the progression or? I did. Yeah. Okay. I think, yeah. So, you know, this family friend, like my parents weren't, my dad plays a bit of saxophone, but um, a family friend said that he thought that I had good pitch and to start me on record when I was singing as a kid, like two year old or something and to go to music lessons when I was four. So that's how that started. And then from there, yeah, I think I learned clarinet and piano was around the same time, like maybe about nine years, nine or 10 years old. I think it was clarinet then, then piano. And I 
would love to be better at guitar. I've had a guitar for a long time and I use it for songwriting mm-hmm. purposes, but it's not definitely not my main instrument. But, and the other night though, I did, there was an upright bass. I was playing with an upright bass player and it was kind of, a, I was trying to get to the piano and I said, you know, you go, I'm going to stop playing this if you don't, if, if you don't let me get past. And then, so we ended up swapping instruments and I hadn't played the upright bass for like couple of years and I've never really known how to but I just played the token song which is like fever uh jazz song and uh-huh. now I really really want to get one so <laughs> we'll see watch the space sure. um, that, and then that, instrument other... always, that instrument fascinates me because there's no frets right it's just you have to kind of know yeah. that's like, right yeah where your hand's supposed to go it's yeah interesting yeah so like that's kind of like how I've gotten away with stuff I to a point can hear what note is which and it gets annoying because you're like, oh, that's an e-, that's things that so having the frets is kind of that's um, helpful with with that. So I think I'm going to I think I'm going to uh, treat myself for my birthday and buy a really my that guy was selling like a one for just a couple hundred bucks. So I might get it and and watch the space. My next co- podcast will be all about uh, all about your yeah, upright. upright bass. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and then, I like collecting instruments, but I've had to leave a lot behind with traveling. Um, so at the moment, I just have, I have my keyboard, um, an upright piano that I found on an app for free that we managed to get up the stairs and a Q chord, which is, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Omni chord. One, um, uh, I'll just, I'm going to show you. Yeah, I'd love to see it. Here we go. This thing. So this is the Q chord. Oh, cool. Those who can't see it. It's a, how would you describe it there? It's, I don't, it's it's hard to describe it almost. (laughs) Futuristic. Yeah. It looks like a keyboard, like a, like a legit, like computer keyboard, like a gaming keyboard. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we have. So what, what each button does something, is it like programmed? Yeah. So we have a lot of different chords here. Major minor, and then um, if you get fancy, you can work out how to do the sevenths and the diminished chords, and then like some very cheesy uh, drum beats um, as well, which is are pretty fun. So it's like a band in a box kind of thing. You've got your beats, and then you have the strip strip here, which plays the all the wow. notes in the chord. So yeah, I've, that's come out a few songs and a that few cool. uh, when I'm doing shows. I'll do like one song on there maybe or something, but that it's, is it's really a Suzuki cool. thing. And um, yeah, during the pandemic, when all the live streams were happening, um, I found my people online. We did like an Omni chord and Q chord festival. So really? The people around the world. Yeah. 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 Still going to find the recorder equivalent, but. but that is cool. I'd never seen one of those before. And that's fascinating how much you can really do with that. I mean, like you said, it's like a one yeah instrument band <laughs> there's a um very tim esque uh instructional video mostly people in a retirement home going oh this is really easy to learn i can play this that's cool <laughs> this is an instrument for everyone so don't be don't be intimidated by all the buttons it's, it's it does so look like a anyway lot. yeah a lot yeah, of instruments it's overwhelming <laughs> looking <laughs> um but generally most most of my gigs, if I haven't been lucky enough to work with a band for it or if it was a solo gig, yeah, mainly on, on the piano okay. or, or keyboard. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. And you said you were in a rock band growing up too, or early on? Oh, my Did you lose me? 
Are you there? Hello. Oh no. I can hear you. You can't hear me. Oh, you just come back. Well, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's I can see strange. you and hear you. Okay. Um, awesome. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad we're back. I was curious. You you talked earlier about being. You're in a rock band growing up or earlier on. You're in a. Um. Yeah, high school band. I high school um, band. One of my friends. One of my friends, Alistair. Deverick, who I've known since I was four years old, um, him and some friends were playing, rehearsing in the afternoon and I'd just finished orchestra and <laughs> they were playing and I sat down the piano and started like jamming with them and then they invited me to be in the band. And I was around 14 then and we were a band till for probably about like five, five years. Wow. Maybe. Um, what you do, like local yeah. shows, talent shows, stuff like that? Um, yeah, we did. So we would um, bring our parents along and play in a lot of dodgy bars. Really? And dodgy bars know, would hire 14-year-olds. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's pretty surprising to be <laughs> well, like, I guess my singer looked a bit older. I don't know. Like He looked about we, 17. Yeah, maybe, was like around, <laughs> maybe that was around when I turned 15, but definitely been playing bars since then. Um, Wow. Uh, with the contrast of, of playing music at church growing up as well. So it was, mm-hmm. it's all like I'd be playing till two in the morning on Saturday night and then get up and play. And the church band was about, you know, getting out at 7 a.m. and oh, very different environments. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that band was called Valez, and I wasn't the main songwriter. And it was, um, yeah, guitar, bass, drums, and myself on keyboards. Um and it was a lot of fun. I wasn't the main vocalist. Um, my good friend Hayden um, was a very clever songwriter and, and amazing singer. And so I did the backing vocals and would occasionally do a song. Okay. Um, but yeah, we played in a lot of um, a lot of bars throughout throughout those years. Um, and bless our parents, they would come along out of necessity for those <laughs> until we're eighteen. So drinking is eighteen in New Zealand. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah. And then we played at um, some festivals and yeah, we, we, we definitely had an album's worth of songs. I think we released a CD um, in one of the later years and yeah, just sort of everyone went in different directions after mm-hmm. that. But I definitely am grateful for those experiences and learned how to deal with hecklers really young, I guess, oh. <laughs> as well. Were people, were people nasty to you guys uh, that early uh, on? I mean, not nasty, but just like playing in bars is, is can be rough. Like, I don't know. I think it was just the, the sort of the times and also the areas where we're playing in. Um, I'm from West Auckland and a lot of those bars can be pretty rough. Um, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, maybe less so now, but, but at the time this is, you know, um, yeah, I would say that this is almost like 15 or 16 years ago. Um, but yeah, just the different contrasting worlds that I performed in with the choirs and the the sleazy bars and then hotels and church and things. It's always, it's been a, yeah, have to learn to adapt and read the room, I suppose. Sure. <laughs> yeah. When you were in that band, were you writing songs that you weren't sharing with them? Like, it sounds like you read right after kind of went yeah, your own I direction was- as a solo artist. Yeah, I, I didn't think um, I had a little bit of a complex about my own songs. I didn't think they were good enough because they weren't maybe possibly as alternative or as cool. Um, also had have a lovely brother who was very involved um, in the indie music scene in New Zealand. And I was so worried about 
if the, my songs were cool enough. Oh, uh, <laughs> sure. And yeah, so I was like, oh, they look too poppy, or like oh, I just, right. I just very self conscious about them for for a few years. And um, the singer heard heard one of them I was playing once, and he really liked that that one. So I would do that one and now sit as well. Um, and then I took a lot of music subjects at high school. I was really lucky to be able to do not only music as a subject, but like jazz and rock music and uh-huh. and dance and drama and like a lot of that stuff. So yeah, for some of our assignments, we had to write songs. And so that pressure of having to do that um, made me get them out there and, and I had some good feedback from teachers and things. So yeah, I, I slowly gained confidence with my own songs, but it took me a long time because I felt like in New Zealand at the time, there was all the market for pop pop music and then there was a really really like alternative scene like very very left of center stuff was being played on the radio and for the alternative thing so there was I was like oh I'm not really here or there like I you know I probably shouldn't just 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 keep my songs to myself for a while and so it wasn't Mm -hmm. until probably I was like on my last year of school that I started getting more confident with them even maybe later than that like after I around the time of being in Japan, I started to write more and more because I was forced to sing other people's songs and it made me want to do my own more. So London was where I really started doing Your open mics a couple of times yeah. a week. And yeah, yeah. And, and learning that it's okay not to be one way or the other, or if you don't quite fit into a box because there's other different kinds of markets. And yeah, that was one of my reasons for moving to Melbourne. I just thought there was a lot of music in that sort of world that's in between the indie and the pop stuff. Uh-huh. I guess. Sure. Um, so yeah. when, when you went to Japan, and now I don't worry that, about that as much at all. <laughs> did you go to Japan? I, I, <laughs> I can't remember. Was it for school or because you, you're obviously playing music. What, what did you go out there for and how did well, you get um, there? I was um, working at, sorry, I was working. I was at jazz school at that time. Um, the door to go to the theater school overseas had closed. And so I, I taught for a year, I taught piano and worked at a music shop for a year. And then I thought, oh, I've got to do something. So I went to jazz school, um, but I didn't really, and I was still, we were still doing our high school, but then it started a high school that was kind of finishing up around that time. Um, and I, I don't know, I wasn't really like enjoying it then. So I was playing piano at a hotel, even though I was like kind of not the most advanced jazz musician or anything I managed to get work once a week playing in hotels just to earn some money which was a lot better money than working at Dunkin Donuts um, <laughs> which I did when I was and probably a lot more fun um, more fun yes yeah um so then I was just sitting there one night and this man comes up to me and he goes do you want to go and work in this place in Japan um <laughs> sounds kind of sketchy now I say yeah that. hey <laughs> do you want to go to Japan I know you probably never been but I got this gig for you <laughs> there's 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 internet or English speakers and you have to dance a bit um right oh, okay yeah sure two weeks later I was there <laughs> yeah well my parents were pretty cool in hindsight about all that stuff uh, um yeah and my I got a quickly got a visa for Japan and just had entertainer on there and um went over to work singing singing and playing piano there in a hotel that was the one that was in the middle of nowhere sort of thing and mm-hmm. over ocean. And during the, I had so much downtime cause I wasn't really able to go anywhere. And because the gigs were literally seven days a week, the shows and um, for four months. So it was really hard to get away and, and explore. Tokyo was about three hours away on the Shinkansen on the bullet train. So even then, once you get there, you I'd only have an hour or two and then have to yeah, come you have to come right back. To um, and it's on this huge show. cliff. It's called New Akau Hotel, if you looked it up. At the time, uh, the first 
first thing that came up on Google or was even asked Jeeves back then? Gosh, see, this is why not on TikTok. I'm talking about Oh, yeah, Jeeves. I know. I um, remember asking. I, I used to ask Jeeves. What did you ask him? Uh, just, you know, the same questions I'd now ask Google. We moved on. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, so I to actually use, there were two computers in the whole town and you had to walk up this huge cliff for 30 minutes and there was always this man on the stock exchange, this elderly man who wouldn't get off the computer. But um, so I would check my email like maybe once every two weeks and try and report back to my parents saying I was okay. Um, oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So, so they weren't able to contact you aside from email. It sounds like, and you uh, have to occasionally on phone calls. Dial on. There was such an ordeal trying to get to me because there would no one spoke English like uh-huh. on the phone, even in these. Yeah, so I think it's advanced a bit more now. I went back um, in 2016. Um, God, that would have been like, yeah, like 11 years later or something to go and visit that hotel again. Just like I visited Australia again. You know, I like to face yeah. my <laughs> face. Uh, and then they have Wi-Fi there now. Um, oh, and that's good. They still have the same kind of format. And and that work has been there out there. Um, you know, the hotel work and, and playing on ships and that thing. That's always been there. And I've really had to kind of use and I really had to, if I had an album or something, I needed a certain amount of money to promote these were playing whatever and just work purely through those contracts and then okay i'm gonna use this money for my stuff um but it's not it's definitely not a, a bad life and it's a very interesting one if you do go down that path but for me it's like i've always wanted i've cared about my own original music uh far more so that's kind of helped me get through those things but it's it can be tempting because you can earn quite good money you know and it's comfortable you get to travel um but it's not a world that I want to commit to full time now, but saying that I did do a ship to get my flights to LA um, for, for my permanent move here. I, I, was, oh. I got my visa approved and that was so expensive. Um, and so I thought, Oh gosh, now I got my visa, but I got to get over there and there. And uh, coincidentally, I got an email from a ship being like, do you want to play on the ship for five weeks? We'll pay for your flight to LA and we'll wow. you know, give you some money. So I took my, Nord, my guitar and my two suitcases on this ship and then after that I um yeah I started my life here after a few visits um making sure I wanted to go through that with the the artist visa here so wow and now you're here yeah. and then you said you got to LA right before the pandemic hit I did it was uh January the 4th oh. 2020 okay well I want to back up real quick because we never got an answer to your your thing that oh, you said when you, if you Googled this or asked Jeeves about this hotel that you worked at, what was the first thing that came up? You oh, tell creepy, us. creepy hotel in capitals. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so it was creepy. It was very like very Lynchian. It was beautiful. Uh, overlooking the ocean um, on this cliff. But it had these really like old chandeliers and like lights that didn't work and it had a kind of strange smell sometimes. And um, it was a traditional room. So the mats were sleeping on like mats in, oh. in the room and um, just staff that would come up and say something to you and just like walk off and you just have no idea what they were saying, like just kind of <laughs> random things. But um, yeah, I, I had come from a pretty, you know, um, comfortable uh, place socially and in, in New Zealand and with what I was doing. And so it was a huge culture shock for sure. Mm-hmm. And I, I developed quite a lot of anxiety to be honest there, just cause I didn't really have anyone to talk to, but mm-hmm. I, and, and the 
music and things were, yeah, it was the same. Everything was on repeat. So I just kind of went a bit nuts, but I did write a lot, do a lot of journaling as well and tried to make as many friends as I could with just couples. You know, I tried to learn some Japanese quickly. Um, Mm -hmm. I still remember how to introduce myself and to say that I'm vegetarian. Um, So all the, all the key things. Yeah. Those are Make sure that Um, they don't give you meat and uh, let them know who you are. That's good. That's, that's right. And I learned how to, uh, I learned a Japanese pop song with actions that would sing at the end of the night. And um, yeah, dance to Japanese version of Live in La Vida Loca. <laughs> That's cool. Well, to a bad um, midi pilot, you know, yeah. And that was that, was that uh, chapter, but not, not to say I'm not grateful to the guy that booked me if he's listening to this uh, for, for that job. It was just uh, very, I think that'd be the first to say that it was, you know, a very unique place as, and, that sort of work is, is definitely out there. Um, I could have stayed another six months, I think, but I just mm-hmm. had to say no to that and start doing music that, that was closer to my heart. Sure. Not to say that somewhere out there from American Tale isn't close to my heart though, um, but yeah. <laughs> but that all started when you moved from Japan to London? Yeah, I moved to London, okay. um, but I didn't have a visa. So I was just sleeping on couches, playing open mics, um, mm-hmm. ended up getting a job at this te- um, electronic music club. So I would start at 10 PM and work till 10 AM there for five pounds an hour. Um, Cause I didn't have a visa. So it was just this illegal job that I did to, I wanted to stay six months to the day. And I did that and made some friends and was, you know, helped out by, by some of my brother's friends who let me stay on the couch and uh-huh. um, yeah, I met some great people. Um, and then I had to go back and get a visa to come back there. So I did that. Um, okay. on a two-year visa for London and nope. yeah when did you put out your you have a record that came out in 2011 where were you at when that album came out oh yeah that was um I was in Auckland so I had oh, okay. come back from London um come back from London London I had to come back a year earlier than I anticipated just because of some of the things that were going on back in New Zealand that I needed to um be there for and so that record was after after that. So had um, a couple of years back. I came back in two thousand and seven. Oh my goodness, saying that I was like, whoa, two thousand and seven. Uh, and yeah, and then I was in uh, did a couple of EPs, and then oh, that would have been two thousand eight or nine actually. And then yeah, a couple of years in New Zealand, and put out my first full length album in two thousand eleven at a working at a studio called the lab in Auckland. So that was an album where I'd saved up and I hired a band or my, my friends had a very, very talented band um, and worked on that album for a couple of weeks at that studio. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and yeah, learned, learned kind of a bit more about recording that way. Like, Oh, I should have recorded the band before the piano or I want to redo this. And I really should have been a bit more organized before I went into the studio. Cause it's not cheap. Um, like I learned lessons that way, but yeah, I was happy to have that out and, and still remember my, that album release because the PA blew out halfway oh through. Oh <laughs> my gosh. Where was that at? Was, I was it like, in, what am I? Was it in that Auckland? Was in Auckland. Oh my yeah. gosh. Um, so tell me about we that. Where were you, like a, were you playing a club and was, it just gave out? Like what happened? Yeah. And there were a few hundred people that came down, which was really lovely. And, and, and a few songs and the sound guy, my friend Ricky was so upset because he was trying out a new desk or to a new thing, like one of the, a digital desk and it just like blew up, but it made me try and um, force my improv skills on 
in terms of like keeping the audience entertained. Uh, uh-huh. That was about half an hour, I think. And luckily we we're next to a school called Mainz, which is um, an, an audio school and, and had access to another PA system. So it was kind of like, it was kind of exciting. It was like when the power goes out sort of thing, but it was yeah. also like, ter- like terrifying because I'd put a lot of work into that and had a lot of special guests and the band was there and I had a billboard for it. You know, I was like, <sighs> I was like, oh, wow. But at least you're able done. To, yeah, but it's something you'll never forget, right? Yeah, it was kind of like a, a team effort. And I think people felt more invested in the show, uh, you know, even uh-huh. patiently waiting half an hour. And um, so, yeah, that was that was fun. And those are all my own songs, apart from uh, one at the, the last song um, my friend Richie wrote um, with me and mine called We Are Wolves. And, yeah, I... Uh, made made about three or four music videos from songs off that record and it was a real learning experience um a really fun one and i would love to go back to that studio the way i've recorded things since then is kind of not since then but you know in the last couple of years has changed a little bit and i think that's just how the world's working with studios mm-hmm. and that, that's a really great thing as well um to have that accessibility to to everyone to to record um yeah, because yeah. you can really record it anywhere right nowadays if you have a computer. And Look at us right software. now. I mean, right. Yeah, you could record a record right here. Was that cut? Tell me about this new album. Was this something you had recorded or not recorded, but maybe written prior to even getting to Los Angeles? Oh, um, so I came to um, America a couple of times. And one of those times I'd got my publishing rights back around that time. And I went to a conference where they do a lot of meetings for people that are involved in sync licensing and things. So mm-hmm. I went to this conference in Hawaii, which was the most beautiful setting for, for a music conference. Yeah. That's pretty <laughs> uh, cool. Surprising, not surprising to hear that. I'm sure, but it was really lovely. And um, I met uh, one of my now main collaborators, Rob Kleiner there, who was a mentor there and he lived in LA. So on a trip to, LA, I think I spent three months here in 2019 just to make sure, mm-hmm. like, sure you want to go through with this three-year visa um, and just to kind of connect with other songwriters. Um, we did a couple of tracks. And the first, the second one I wrote with him was a, a song off this EP called Clear History. Mm-hmm. So that was, uh, two, yeah, that would have been in 2019 that I had that song, I, I think. Um, and... We continued to write uh, remotely. And when I moved here, we did some more songs. Um, one of the songs, the first song we ever did, Tragedy Boy, that was not on this EP, but that was on a, a show. So I released that as a single. And I think I'm going to put it on another recording after after this one. Um, okay. But yeah, the that that was the only one I had before the move to LA. The others um, were all here, actually, up tell a lie there was a song i wrote at my dad's place uh, while i was back in new zealand that same year 2019 doing a uh-huh. musical called once i got to tick off my being in musicals um oh yeah you got to be in uh yeah it was like bucket, a show bucket, right bucket. that's cool yeah uh, uh, um so i wrote that song like in my dad's little spare room uh, on my laptop and um had that one sitting there sitting there for a while and i was like, oh, I don't know if this my own recording is good enough. Um, so I had a couple of goes at working on that song with, with with other people, and then I just kept coming back to my demo, thinking that I liked it the best. But um, and then I gave that to Rob, and he just kind of um, amped up the production a little bit and just made it so, to be able to go on the EP with the rest of the songs without mm-hmm. sounding too different. Um, 
but yeah, that collection of songs I just put together because I wanted to do a full-length album, but just with everything that had gone on over the last year, like I was pretty stuck when visa-wise I couldn't work outside of doing anything other than music and mm-hmm. I had two months to find that music work, which I did, but then that all just dropped off. So um, found some piano students on Craigslist and I tried to do the best I could and hosted sure. piano karaoke online to strangers on Instagram and would sit, play piano while they would sing. Oh, the delay. Cool. You think this oh. delay is bad? Like Instagram live when you're trying to ho- do, do a song together for three hours, three times a week. I don't recommend it. Oh, wow. Um, okay. But I was like, oh, I've got to do this. It was, it was like a night that I ran in Australia and New Zealand. And um, I'm sorry about this mowing that is going on. It's all right. Apartment next door. I get um, it. <laughs> I'm from Southern California. <laughs> I know how that is. <laughs> they always yeah, and they use those blowing things, which are the most useless yeah. thing. I don't know who created those. Like, but hey, it's like, why don't you just blow some dirt around? Like, sweep it up. Let's go. Like, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> like, hey, I know that you. I know that you have an interview at this time, and I am gonna do whatever I can to just make that a little yeah. bit. Oh, you no, said your your interviews at this time. Okay, I'm gonna make sure I'm outside blowing dirt. <laughs> it's all good (laughs) yeah so so Uh, anyway sorry yeah so you made it to LA in January right before the pandemic hit and then I mean did you have big Mm -hmm. plans to what like was there a big rollout for this record that was kind of all come I didn't even plan on putting or or what happened I I didn't know how long the pandemic would go for and I, I did a couple of shows and before that and got got a couple of regular gigs but I no, I was just, um, I put out a couple of singles during the pandemic, one with the uh, obligatory um, music video of everyone doing something across the world, putting it together in a, in a music video. Uh, you know what I mean? Everyone was kind of doing these heartwarming yeah. clips. No, I, I, still, I still really like it. That was called Show You What Love Is. And then mm-hmm. I put out, um, I, I, I got a cat during the pandemic, something that other people probably have I got you know, a dog uh, during guys, the pandemic. Oh, you did? What's your yeah. dog called? His name is Sky. Like the sky. Sky? Uh-huh. We, my got family, it. we adopted him. Yeah. During the beginning of the pandemic. And it was so bizarre because they just pretty much, we show, we got him from a, you know, adoption place, but it was like, they drove, we drove to a pet store, like out in front of a pet store. And they were like, okay, here he is. And then my wife's like, yeah, we want him. Here's a check. And they're like, really? That you want him? We're like, yeah. And they just let us take him home. <laughs> like no oh. process behind it, which was great. And we love wow. him. He's a great dog. But it was just, there yeah. was no, because of COVID, there was no like, okay, we're going to bring him over and we're going to see how he is at your house. And like, there was no like real like break in process. It was just like, okay, you want him? All right. See you later. But it was great. Yeah. Wow. So you can Did imagine you what this... dating during the pandemic has been like. Oh my um, gosh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I didn't have a meet and greet. I had a, Hey, I was subleasing a room at the time with someone else. I was like, Hey, do you mind if I like foster a cat? Cause they got a girlfriend at the start of the pandemic. I'm like, well, I guess I'll naturally I'll get a cat. Um, <laughs> so I fostered this cat called Iris and I had no idea. They're like, she's an adult cat and she is on heat. And I was like, Great. all right. <laughs> so I did like zoom on how to like look foster a cat so I had a I had a cat for 20 years that's why it took me so long to move to LA basically because I would have just been uh, living my life here full of guilt if I'd left it behind sure. um, so 20 I gave it a few years. years that's a good cat yeah okay wow. I tell a lie I think it was like 19 and three quarter years but okay we well, ran that still it's up. not 
It's not she 10. Story I mean, wow. No. She's 30. Yeah. No. <laughs> so I had this cat and she's so cute. And once she was, she was put on an Uber to me because I didn't have a car at the time. This cat was like Uber to me. So I'm like, your cat is on the way. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Oh my gosh. Um, that's hilarious. Tip the driver extra. <laughs> your cat like, is oh. on the way. <laughs> yeah. That's and awesome. then she got out and I was like, she just looked at me and she was like, meow. And, and just like, was so sweet straight away. Um, but also on heat for two months. So just poor cat. There was nowhere to spay her because it had to be done through the foster Oh protocol. I wasn't yeah. allowed to just go and spay her somewhere. And and anyway, so she's fine now. And she was only one at the time. She just had kittens. So I and then they, they started asking like a month or two later for photos because they wanted to find her a permanent home. And I was like, oh, what email? Sorry, I didn't get that. Um, <laughs> and I, yeah, eventually it was like, I don't know. Hopefully I'm just going to decide that I'm going to make it work here in LA and I'm just going to keep her. And I have done that and she's been great. But anyway, I did a music video inspired by her because she was just obsessed with squirrels and kept staring. So I put on squirrel videos and she's just like hypnotized. So for one of the songs, clear history, I made um, downloaded a free trial of, 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 of a, a pro, I think, and tried to figure out how to use it and just made like a homemade video um, with me and Iris. Um, and of course I forgot to, cancel the subscription. So now I'm paying $30 a month for something I don't really know how to use, but I'll, 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 it's on the list of things to learn. Um, so yeah, that was, that was my cat Iris and she's my, my pal. And uh, I'll have to look for a photo of Sky on, on yeah, TikTok. You, yeah. You'll something. find him. Uh, he's on the Instagram. I'm sure. It's, yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, and then the other songs just came about um, when I was able to carefully record with, with Rob and another one was, um, the company that pitched my songs for film and TV um, introduced me to, we had a, a camp, I think it's called a Think Music Writing Camp. And I met this guy, Peter, online and he's in New York and we wrote two songs together. And the second one is on this EP as well. Wow. Um, was that done over Zoom like, like this? It was, yeah. Well, how was that? Do was do that? A, write a song. Um, <laughs> sure. Um, but um, <laughs> how was that different? I mean, was that the first time you ever written mm. in that you know way yeah yeah well the first one that we did earlier that a few months before that was and then we just had another go at it I'd had an almost complete song that I needed when I wanted someone's opinion on and Peter was great and we finished it off together and we yeah he um I sent the piano he got someone in Texas to play drums on it I did a bunch of clarinets he did the bass yeah it was a real collaboration online and it is a little bit it's slightly like you know it's not ideal writing online but I enjoyed the challenge yeah Yeah. I did that with a few people um sometimes they needed a song to pitch for something and it was a certain style and so we would quickly try to do something on zoom and I I studied um I did a UCB you know, the Upright Citizens Brigade yeah. course on Zoom as well. Oh, I live really? right next door to it. That was one of my motivations for like, yeah, I want to move to this area because I love this area. It's got like improv. And- You're in improv. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. A lot of big people a came years. out of that. That and the growlings, right? Yeah. Those are huge. Yeah, that would be fun to do. Have you done anything like that? No, nah, that's not me. <laughs> but I yeah. just know about it. That's cool. Yeah, but anyway, the trying to do that on on Zoom, like often in improv, you tap someone out of a scene on the shoulder, like you know, you got an idea, and so you get them out of the scene. But in Zoom 
planned improv, you have to exit the room and come back in. <laughs> you switch oh, your camera really? off and on again. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> so, I don't know. That wasn't my favorite to do online. Sure. I think that oh, I'll wait to do that in person when we're right. allowed to do that. Um, well, it sounds like you've but, been busy over the course and but, fi- found uh, cool things to do, right? Yeah, like the piano karaoke thing I did was really, really lovely. That was p- people all around the world would pick a song from my song list and then we would sing it together. Um, oh, that's cool. And it was really sweet, but I had to really um, not listen to them because I was two counts ahead all the time. And if I listened to them, I would slow down. And, and so it was, I, I had to kind of start kind of going, okay, maybe I won't do this like three times a week. I'll just push it back a little bit because okay. just the delay was just, was, um, too it was much. really testing for me, yeah. but it was really, but the overall, and for other people as well, who, who were, you know, worked on a song, I want it, I want it to be good for them, but um, that's something that I'll probably start doing in person um, at a venue in Los Angeles as well as like host piano karaoke. I really love yeah. that. Like, especially ideally not for people that are X factor winners, just for like the everyday person that wants to have a sing. Um, right. A lot of people love karaoke. I mean, exactly. they, don't have to be a, they don't have to be an X factor, you know, yeah. Some people go, oh, contestant you know, or no, yeah, there's no TV. There's no TV screen with the bouncy ball. I'm like, well, you know, but I'm, I'll give you the lyrics and I wait for you. I like the, the track if you're finding your words and things. So it's, uh-huh. it's been fun. That's been something I've really enjoyed doing for the last five years. Um, hosting that. So that's cool. it takes you away from your own stuff as well. Cause I, I, when you're writing your own songs and you just, you get really sick of yourself and you're like, Oh, just my picture again. And you're trying to come up with ways of not, being you know self-obsessed you know you want to be real and so I really like the fact that that's about just it's about me it's about like it's not about me it's about me having to serve the other person musically and like like do what I think would make them sound good and Mm -hmm. yeah even if it makes me not look good or you know waiting for them or go oh that was my mistake sorry and and right right um changing the key on demand and I like the challenge of that technicality and having to um work on the fly but yeah and also people that never sung in public often oh i can't do it i can't do it and they do, they do it and it's like they call it free therapy so i really love that as well That's and it's just cool. silly and fun and, sure. and yeah obviously you get a bit um over trying to just promote yourself all the time so it's nice to just do something that's about other people mm-hmm. yeah well speaking of promoting yourself i'd love to talk to you real, real quick you have a new song coming out on the 16th right looking for love and then the record's coming out short, shortly after that Yep. That's yep. exciting. Tell uh, me a little bit about looking for love. I mean, you've, you've talked about the EP as far as like you wrote and recorded it like prior yeah, to the, so the EP, but yeah, let's hear about it. Um, yeah. So that was, I, I wasn't sure as I was talking about uh, wanting to put out a full length album and I've certainly got enough songs, but just the, the collection of songs I felt didn't fit well as a full record. So I just was trying to brainstorm ideas of what I could do. And for me, I, I am really interested in pitch and like, um, oh, that's that song's in that key. It makes me feel that way. And I was going through my songs and I'm like, oh, I've got five songs in the key of A that are kind of all about love and in one way or another. So I put that together as like looking for love brackets in A major, um, you know, because a lot of classical songs, which I grew up with, would always name the key in their songs as well, you know, so oh, yeah. D. So yeah, that kind of stuck with me. Um, um, so I just thought, yeah, it was kind of, seem seem to fit and that looking for love song i wrote with my friend rob and kevin who were in a band called tub ring um from chicago um kind of like punk uh, rock stuff um rob was rob works a lot in pop music 
fantastic as well, but he's very versatile and has a lot of different taste. So we wrote that song together and it was about um, kind of like half, half me and half observing, not really me, but pe- people just observing the dating scene in LA and how, you know, it's, it can be almost like fast food in terms of like, just, okay, that was interesting now what, or like what's next. And all oh, that person's eyebrow was a little bit like, you know, funny or whatever. And just how it's so easy to just kind of dismiss things and, and things and how we think we're looking, looking for something special. And then you kind of have a hint of it and then you're like, Oh, yeah, I don't know, FOMO and things. And so I, I made a music video um, for this just full of um, public domain drive-in footage. Cause I, I started working at this drive-in and I, I remember going on a date and I really wanted someone to take me to the drive-in and they just like dismissed the idea because you know, I was like kind of an American thing and I wanted to try it and there was nothing to do during the pandemic, but that was one thing that you could do um, that was safe. And, and I was like, well, I guess I ended up working at one um, part-time because they were willing to say it was a music job because oh, it was sure. a music job. <laughs> Um, and and anyway that stuck stuck in my head and so I put all these like um a compilation of old concessions dancing you know like let's go to the lobby type things and people eating fast food and the looking for love um song so that's the music video it's like a a lyric video with bad karaoke lyrics down the bottom um so yeah I, I really like that song it's a fun little one and it's kind of a little journey so you know going from being optimistic and and looking for love to kind of having a taste of it and then going, okay, is this, is this right for me? Is this person right? Or not being treated very well. Oh, this person actually has never asked me a question. That's in the lazy, sure. lazy love song. They've talked about themselves um, all the whole, the whole time. <laughs> well, that's how I feel about right now, this situation, but I'm hopefully, I, you know, no one cares about in, what in I the con- say, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> but I did notice one conversation. I just didn't get asked. I didn't get asked one question for like, three days of chatting to somebody. I was like, Hmm, okay. Uh, just an observation. Um, but yeah. And then anyway, this, this journey and then going all actually the last song is called my time. And it's just, you know, cue the full house, um, about shows about to end music, you know, sure. heartwarming music, but it's about big self-love and, and just, um, you know, realizing you can do a lot without anyone else around as well. Um, yeah. I love so it. that's my little five song, uh, love roller coaster EP. five song journey yeah in the, key of and a, May, in the key of a yeah the next one is <laughs> is going to be songs that could be on a james bond movie or should be on a james bond movie oh, i like so that. my next ep that's yeah. rad awesome um, that i'll hopefully put out the later on this year as well i've got a lot of like kind of moodier songs and yeah they they fit well as a unit so i think i'm going to do that uh, i've kind of accepted the idea that it's okay to just put out songs or a collection of songs just because it's not a full record, just because I've done a few full records before, it doesn't mean that it's anything less And just with, you know, the uncertainty of the last year. I'm like, cool. It's just actually really great to get some things out and just, yeah, see what you've learned from them and become hopefully a better songwriter from, from the process. Yeah. So that's, that's that. Very cool. And thank (laughs) you so much, Lisa, for hanging out with me. I appreciate it. I appreciate that. And, um, Yes, the leaf floor. Of course, the leaf floor or whatever has stopped now that we're stopping. Um, so it stopped a while ago. It's okay. 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 Right. <laughs> I do have one more question for you. Yes. Uh, do you have any advice for aspiring artists? Oh, um, I would say, um, yeah, something that's held me back, I guess, is is that comparison um, thing, and which is harder than ever with social media and everything. But um, absolutely, try not to compare yourself to other people and just because someone else is doing 
really, really well um, and seems to be doing better than you doesn't mean there's not room for, for you and what you're doing and that's valid. And, and if you just keep doing that, there will be a time where that will be, you know, celebrated. And um, I suppose that that would be my advice is just like, yeah, don't worry if you're not, if you, you don't think your music fits into a certain box, just keep, keep writing it. Cause there's, yeah, there's room for more than one or 1,000, 100,000. There's so many different things out there for people and people that like different things and just, yeah. Follow your own, uh, I don't know, something cheesy there. Follow your own uh, journey. And um, yeah, I think a lot of people have told me, oh, you're persistent if nothing else. And I'm like, well, yeah, I am. But I also believe in myself as a musician and it's taken me a while. And a lot of traveling has been great for that just to kind of be like, well, yeah. Um, there's not one right way of doing things. So. Just, uh, keep hanging in there. 